Welcome to Central Line, Leadership in Healthcare, the show that shares stories, experiences, and advice from notable and innovative leaders in healthcare. Leading in healthcare is incredibly challenging. So if you are looking to learn firsthand from nurses, physicians, administrators, and other healthcare professionals in leadership and management roles, this is the podcast for you. Hosted by Leah Wuchik, leadership development expert, executive coach, healthcare professional, and president and co-founder of Tall Trees Leadership. We talk with today's successful healthcare leaders on how they get to where they are, lessons learned along the way, and what it takes to thrive as a successful leader in healthcare. Let's get started with your host, Leah Wuchik. In addition to being a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist, Dr. Rachel Miller is a certified executive coach, an author of How to Succeed as a Healthcare Leader, as well as a Dr. John Maxwell leadership coach, speaker, and trainer. Through her company, Pocket Bridges LLC, she helps healthcare leaders and executives to lead their systems, feeling confident and empowered to decrease physician burnout, improve provider engagement, and enhance leadership skills. She is a Chinos International Emotional Intelligence Practitioner and uses these assessments with her coaching. Most recently, she has a new program, Leader as Coach, that equips leaders with the knowledge, tools, techniques, and frameworks to facilitate effective coaching in leadership. Dr. Miller is a fellow of the ACOG Cephalo Leadership Institute and a member of the International Coaching Federation. She has been featured in Care.com, TheBump.com, Parents Magazine, and Insider. Hello, Rachel. How are you? I'm doing so wonderful. I hope you are. I certainly am. And thank you so much for being here at Central Line Leadership and Healthcare. I know we've been trying to connect for a while, so I'm really excited to have this conversation and have the opportunity to learn from you. And so maybe to kick us off, if you can share a bit about your career and what has brought you to this place. Yes. So, so I'm Rachel Miller. My medical background is I'm an OBGYN physician in North Carolina, in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. I am originally from the Raleigh, North Carolina area and did all my training in, in North Carolina. And I have been in leadership positions and very quickly saw the gap between being a practicing physician and then being on the administrative side and not feeling like I didn't have the education and the training and the background to be able to lead functional and healthy teams. And so I really became interested in how to improve that work, especially for physicians, because we don't get the training in residency. We don't get it in medical school. And it's so important. And I think administrators want to hear from us, but, and, and they want us to have a seat at the table and they want us to be engaged and be able to lead some of the change. But we just, we just don't learn that kind of stuff. So I became a certified executive coach and I then 
felt like something was missing on the leadership side. And so I got additional leadership training. And then with my coaching my clients, a lot of them were also my physician leaders. A lot of them were also having other things that were going on in their family and their personal lives. And so I wanted some more tools. So then I went and got life coach training. (laughs) So, and and maybe that's just me. I like learning different things. And so I've got lots of tools in my toolbox to be able to help my clients and ultimately improve healthcare. I really appreciate what you have done around taking your own experience and using that as a catalyst for how you want to help others, specifically physician leaders. And I think that situation in which we often see physicians, but also other clinicians such as nurses and whatnot, who are excellent clinicians and then are put into leadership and administrative roles, and they don't have the support that they need. They don't necessarily have the education that they need. They don't have the skills in their toolbox that they need because they've never had to have these things before. And that's certainly something I hear all the time with my clients as well. I mean, I was a great nurse and I was really good at my job. And now all of a sudden I'm in a leadership role and I don't know what I'm doing or I just don't feel comfortable here. So when you found yourself in that position, I'm curious to know, what would you say for for you were the biggest gaps? A couple of things. One is, is not knowing. I felt like I needed help. I felt like something was missing. I I had a really good relationship with the people that I led as far as knowing them on a personal level. And I felt and I felt like I was checking all the boxes from an administrative level, but it, it just something just didn't feel right in in my soul. And I didn't know where to go. So I, you know, <laughs> you go to Google, went to Google and tried to <laughs> and tried to find help. Like where, like where do I go? Where where do I search? So I would say that was one of of, of the gaps. And I think the second gap was how to communicate and how to deal with conflict. And and that would probably be the, the second one. And the second one as I've been learning about dealing with conflict and communication, it's so deep. They're so multifaceted and there's so much to delve into when you start thinking about communication and teams and relationships and things like that. So I think to to sum it up would be how to deal with conflict in a team. I think your experience is probably echoed by many, and I'll come back to the conflict and communication in a moment, but I do want to just touch on what you were saying about something just didn't feel right and you weren't sure where to go. And as you mentioned, you know, our default is always, always Google. And you said something really interesting. You said something just didn't feel right in my soul. I'm curious about that. Would you care to just say a little bit more about that? Right. So, yeah, absolutely. When I say feel right in my soul, to to elaborate on that, it it was it was that 
I was being told that I'm doing a great job from an from the administrative role, but then with the physicians, like I had good personal relationships with them, but I couldn't figure out. I felt I felt like the decisions I was making, I was having to go off of what is right from a moral standpoint. What what a what if I need to make a decision or if I need to have a conversation with someone or if there's conflict, what feels right? What are my ethics, right? Not necessarily, what is the, how do you, like, like almost almost like I was looking for the answers in a textbook, mm. right? So like as a physician, it's like, okay, this is what you do in this situation. This is what you do in this situation. This is what you do in this right. situation. I didn't feel like I knew the 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 textbook answers or I didn't have a framework. I didn't have a, a guide. I didn't have a template. I was going off of, I think this feels right. I, I think, I think this is right. And I was having a hard time getting confirmation from other people on, am I doing it right? And, and is this the right way? You know, so I would say what felt, what didn't feel right, it, it was probably more of, yes, this is the way to go. This is the framework in which you should have a conversation. I, I This is how you build a team. You know, you can't have this type of, conversation without having you know trust in the mm -hmm. team and this is how you build trust so there's just a lot of questioning myself on is this the right steps to go I feel like I was kind of winging it yeah yeah well and thank you for sharing that and I think that the lack of confirmation you were feeling is is probably quite common certainly I can speak from personal experience of of having that sense of, am I doing it right? I think that's like the perfect, perfect question. And, you know, in that you talked about values and, and, and trusting, or sorry, you talked about ethics and, and trusting yourself. And that leads me to think about values and the idea of mm -hmm. understanding your values as that decision-making mm. matrix, if you will, or that decision-making framework. Right. And I mean, let's face it, that's something that all of us don't necessarily spend a lot of time with, unless you are going through some sort of process like coaching or leadership development or right, whatnot. Right. So you went out and you sought additional education. That's what I heard was kind of your, your next steps in this process. I'm curious, what else did you do to maybe tap into the expertise around you, the leadership expertise around you? So books. <laughs> so I, so yes, I, I did find a, I found a physician coach to help me with okay. some of these things. And then I also went into, got, got some books and started reading about leadership and what is in particular, like, what is leadership? What is good leadership? I can't even remember. I can't remember the one of the books I read was about leadership is is influence. And when when you, you have influence over people is leadership. And so there was a lot of different insights on what is a leader and how do you be a leader? And the concept that leadership isn't 
leadership is very different than management and you don't have to have positions to be, you know, a, a, a formal position, a formal leadership title to be a leader. And so I would say several different books, books on communication and how to have effective communication. And so those are those are some of the things that I I look that I use to, to help me. I want to go back to something that you said, the values. That was just like you said that. And I said, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. That's, that's what I was saying in my head. Values. That is so important. And doing values like that that's one of the one of the things that I start off my with my clients is 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 values exercise and discovering what your values are and and we constantly through my engagements we constantly are going back to values and it's such a valuable exercise for 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 leaders to go through you know what are their values and it's something that they can use with the people that they lead, getting to know them and knowing what's what's important to the people that they that they lead. It builds connection and trust. And so, but but yes, I just I just wanted to <laughs> echo you when you said values because I was jumping up and down in my head. Yeah, I'm so glad. <laughs> and I and I think you know in healthcare, I mean, values play an even more prominent role, I think, than maybe other industries. Now, let's face it, values are always important, regardless of where where you work or what industry you're in or, or you know, what your role is. But I think in healthcare, they take on a whole different level of meaning because we are dealing with people and people's lives and and there's a tremendous human impact with respect mm-hmm. to the decisions that leaders make on a daily basis. I'm wondering what what would you say was your biggest leadership challenge? I would probably say accountability and 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 now that I I'm very familiar with and I use this in my coaching the the Patrick Lencioni, who wrote The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, his pyramid model where he talks about accountability and where that is in the triangle. And it's higher up in the triangle. And, and to elaborate on that a little bit, one of the th- on, on the triangle, the base of the triangle is trust. You have to have trust first. And, and then if you have trust, you are able to have healthy conflict. So, and that's just having healthy discussions with one another and being able to welcome disagreements. And, and once you have that, then you can go further up and and have accountability conversations. And so I, for me, I think having accountability conversations was the toughest thing for me. And now that I have knowledge of that triangle, I can understand why I had difficulty with that. And it's because I didn't I, I the I didn't have that trust. And and quite frankly, is you know, you need time to build trust. You need you have to invest your time in the people that you lead. And and when you say investment in time, that's you know, having one-on-one meetings, finding out what's important to your team, what's not important to your team, transparency, all of those things go into building trust with the team. 
And so I, so I know that's a long answer to your question, but the answer would be, I'd say being able to have accountability conversations with the people that I led, I would say that was probably something that was the most challenging Hmm. for me. I I mean, I think it's a great answer and it's something I, I definitely hear from the people I work with as well is the accountability piece. And I, I appreciate you sharing about trust and, you know, trust is something that I think we maybe underestimate sometimes how difficult it, it is to create trust. And, and when I say difficult, I don't necessarily mean difficult in practice, but I mean, it's, it's time consuming and it does take effort and it does take attention. And as you said, there's different ways to build trust. So what I'm wondering then is from your perspective, what are some of those ways that you can really invest in the trust building process? So a couple things. One is, is time. And when I say time, time, I mean, time spent with the people that you're leading. And that can be walking in, walking into their office, sitting down and having a spontaneous five-minute conversation, Mm -hmm. being visible to the people that you lead, Um, transparency when there are decisions that need to be made and there's a couple of different options, you know, being transparent with the team when you don't know which decision to make, you know, ask your team. So, and and that actually brings me up to a client I've worked with and she was going to have to make a decision that was going to affect the people that she led. And it was going to require either her team to need to come in on the weekends versus staying over later with their work. And she was very distraught over the decision that she was going to have to make. And so when we worked together on it, what she ultimately came up with was take a vote, you know, so let's ask the team. And that was a burden that was lifted from her in that she realized that I don't have to make the decision. I can actually talk to my team and find out what it is that they want to do. Let's take a let's mm-hmm. take a vote. And that just asking your team members what it is that they want to do, it helps them feel seen, it helps them feel heard, and it helps build that trust amongst between between you and the team members. So being visible, being around heavy communication with the team that you that you lead and but yes you're absolutely right it is something that it takes time it takes it it takes time I think the example you shared with your client is such a beautiful example because in it I really heard the distress as you mentioned that this individual is feeling about making this decision and I think it really highlights the day-to-day pressures and stressors that come with being a a leader. And I'm so grateful you brought forward that her plan of action was to take a vote and really use her team as, as a sounding board and to involve them and engage them, but also give them decision-making power too over 
what the end result is. And I, I imagine, and, and I don't know, but I imagine that took some of the pressure off of her. And it, as you said, really supported that trust building among the team. Absolutely. Absolutely. She just, and I could see in her face, her, her face just yeah. lit up, <laughs> and, you know, afterwards, just the relief that she didn't ultimately have to make the decision because she, 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 she knew that people were going to be unhappy with whatever decision she made. Yeah. So she just, you could see it in her face, the, the, her face just lit up that, <laughs> when when we came up with that so yeah i mean there's that saying that it's lonely at the top and i always think it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. it doesn't yes. have to be we, you know we need to look at how we can tap into support and and also mm-hmm. use our team around us to help the process whatever process needs to be done to help the decision making or to help with conflict management or to help with visioning or whatever the case may be the team is there and ultimately the leader is a member of that team absolutely absolutely i want to come back to what you were saying about conflict resolution and i think the reality is you know conflict happens everywhere and i think in healthcare you know there's a lot of maybe competing priorities scarce resources, different agendas, there's politics involved, like there's a lot of different moving pieces that add to the complexity of being in healthcare. And and as a result, of course, you know, conflict will happen. So I'm wondering about your own experience with conflict resolution, conflict management. Um, For you, where was that gap in, in your own leadership when you were faced with maybe a situation in which conflict existed i would say the gap is the the gap was knowing the tools knowing the it just felt like i didn't have the tools to be able to 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 deal with them and now that i've been you know learning about you know leadership and i've been doing all the things <laughs> as far as learning about them i'm like where was all of this when i was in my position <laughs> you know i would say so yeah. learn just the just knowing the tools and a lot of them are are it's it's they're there you just have to have someone help us out and 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 yeah and so that we can use them more more effectively and so I would say that that would be one of the things. There is a a program called Crucial Conversation, and I went through that. I went through that program, and I'm like, "Where has this been all my life?" You know, when <laughs> when when you have to deal, when you have to have difficult conversation and crucial conversations, you know, where has this been? So there are tools out there that. I didn't know existed. And so that would be something that I would say was, was, was the gap. It's just not knowing, not knowing, not knowing where the tools were and how to access Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And, and it's interesting what you said about crucial conversations and you said, where has this been all my life? And I think with so many leadership tools, they are so applicable to so many different aspects of life. Absolutely. I, you know, it, it it's applicable in leadership, but it's applicable in your personal life with friends and family and 
and and and with different people that you interact with and in different situations. So I always say to people that you know, you may not think that you need this tool cuz maybe you're not in a leadership role, although I'm a firm believer that everyone is in a leadership role regardless of title or where they sit in the org chart, but you know, for those who say, "Oh, I don't think I really need that." I think I, I always encourage them to say and just say, hey, give it a try because you never know how you might use this. And one of the tools that I find particularly helpful for people who are managing conflict is coaching skills mm-hmm. and the ability to have a coaching conversation within that conflict. Mm-hmm. And the the skills that come with that just really are so ideal for diffusing the situation and turning it from something that is maybe not productive to something that is productive and effective and moving forward in a positive way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I'm wondering, Rachel, so you still do your OBGYN work and you've obviously moved into coaching and specifically coaching physicians. Uh, what makes you so passionate about this? Oh, so a couple of things. One is that I've wanted to be a physician since I was 13 years old. And I've spent oh, wow. pretty much, I'd say since I was 13, I've spent my whole life getting to this point as as a physician and to see the state of affairs and to see all of the burnout in physicians, the burnout in nurses, having these conversations with other physicians and other nurses about their their frustrations and saying that they what they wished that they had knowledge of or or tools. I can't have spent my whole life getting to this point and see all of this going on and not do something about it. Like I can mm. do something. I can, I have to be able to do something about it. Like I I have to, right? I can't be, you know, mm-hmm. to be burned out myself. Like there has to be more. There has to be more than than this. And seeing the 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 patients who are boarding in the ED and can't get rooms because there's not enough nurses and having conversations with nursing students who just want to go through nursing school so they can hear up and go be a nurse practitioner and having those conversations about how frustrated they are or hearing their conversations about how they hear about other nurses who are frustrated at the bedside and want to leave. Like hearing those conversations with nursing students who want to hurry up and get through and not be at the bedside just hurts my heart. It's sad, you know? So so mm. what can I do to help this problem? How can I work with physician leaders and nursing leaders and people who are in leadership? What can I do to educate other people and coach other people and provide them with the skills so that they can better communicate with those people who are at the bedside and who are, you know, actually seeing the patient so that they want to continue doing what they spent their whole life working towards. 
So that that's part of where where my passion comes from. And you know, I've got two little girls and hopefully they see it as an example of, you know, perhaps they can eventually help contribute to more positivity in this in this world as well. So that's where that's where it that's where it comes from and also be someone else who provides services for other physicians that 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 I wish that I had readily accessible to me. So mm-hmm. I would say that those are the those are my fuels that 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 are uh that are pushing me to continue to do this work. That response is so powerful because I can hear the passion in your work. I hear the joy that it brings you. And I also hear the critical need for supporting our healthcare professionals. I I mean, you talked about nursing students who are just trying to hurry up and get through the process so that they can kind of move on. And like you, that hurts my heart as well, because I think there's so much opportunity and so much good in in being in healthcare that you know we need to support people to be able to experience that and feel that and certainly like we all know covid has made things even more difficult than they already were and what i'm wondering is from your experience and the people that you work with what are you seeing different now that maybe didn't exist before or if it did exist is exacerbated? I think COVID, COVID really did expose a lot of the the burnout. And there were a lot of nurses that went into early retirement. There were nurses who made a, well, in particular, some several older nurses who were actually travel nurses, they actually went into retirement as well. I think that that was a, a very obvious change that I saw in particular in labor and delivery, because that's where, that's where I spend most of my time. You just don't have those experienced, nurse, experienced nurses anymore. And I see that this new generation that's starting to come into healthcare, they they want to have, they want to feel that their leaders are transparent with them. And I think that years ago, I think years ago, people just blindly followed their leaders. If you were told you have to come in, you just came into work. If you told you have to pick up shifts, you did. And now there are I think especially after since COVID, people are willing to tolerate less than they were willing to tolerate before. And I think that that's that's one of the things that 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 I noticed since COVID is the is the toleration for what they feel is 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 unfair treatment. What do leaders need to do to respond to that? I think that goes back to one of the the base of that triangle that I referred to before is going back to trust and really having the conversations with you know with leaders have and helping conver- helping leaders be able to have the conversations with their team and what is it that they need and 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 how can they be more transparent about 
what's going on in the organization. I think it goes back to trust. And I think, and, and, and in order to have that trust between a leader and their team, a leader must know themselves first. And so, and then that goes back to the values that we were first talking about and being willing to get vulnerable and explore those things and being willing to talk to your team about, you know, what your values are and asking your team what are their values and how do your values align with the organization and how can we, how can leaders lead in their roles, keeping in mind their values and their team's values. So, so I think some of that deep work is something that's needed in order for organizations to be successful and to improve the the retention in healthcare organizations. You know, what occurs to me as I listen to you say all of that is that really leaders now need to operate at a higher level than perhaps they've ever had to before. I yes. mean, you brought up an excellent point about the younger generations are expecting different things and 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 they're they're demanding different things and and I think that's a good thing because I think what it does is encourage and sometimes even force our leadership to step it up and and take things to the next level and that's not easy and that's where things like leadership development and coaching you know really need to factor in mentorship is another really important resource that I think, you know, we need, we, and I say we as, you know, healthcare system need to invest in all of those pieces so that our leaders can respond to those increasing demands and expectations and get to the place where I think they want to be. And as you said, part of that is knowing themselves and where they also need to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. That reminds me of an article I saw, I can't remember who wrote the article, but it was in LinkedIn. And the article was talking about how years ago when healthcare providers, either doctors or nurses, they would get into leadership because they wanted to wind down in their careers and they wanted to take a step back. Mm. And the article, the writer of the article was saying that, you know, things are not like that. And I completely agree because there is there there's so much to be learned about leadership you know as you transition into leadership there's so much to be learned about it and communication and dealing with conflict and managing teams and and healthcare is so dynamic there's so many things that are coming out as far as rules and regulations and government and insurance and the list goes on and it it certainly is is nothing <laughs> close to being able to take a step back it really is stepping up to to leadership and so um it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of effort and that uh, including you know being willing to be coached and go through training and really doing the work that's needed in order to be effective 
Well said, Rachel. And so in closing, what final words of wisdom would you offer? I would say that leadership and leadership roles and and being a good leader is learning it. It is possible. We are smart people. Like, you know, I work with a lot of physicians. Like we went through medical school and, 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 you know, nurses that you went through nursing school and you can get hard concepts and you can get it. It's just in leadership is, is, I wouldn't say that it, it, it's easier. I think the concepts are easier. And so we can get hard things and we can understand these things. We just have some, have to have someone be able to walk by our side and being willing to be a student again to and being willing to be vulnerable. We can get this. We can improve healthcare and we will improve healthcare if we're willing to be vulnerable and to continue to learn. So we can do it. It's just, it just takes a little bit of effort. So I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rachel, for being here. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your ideas. Oh, you are so welcome. And thank you for having me. It was an honor and a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us today at Central Line Leadership and Healthcare. Also, if you liked what you heard, please head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our host, Leah Woodchick, check out talltreesleadership.com.